You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bears Illustrated podcast presented by BearsIllustrated.com, your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pranay Malampati alongside Andrew Miner, and we've got a lot of NBA stuff to talk about today. Um, we're releasing this podcast on Thursday morning, and, and this evening we'll have the NBA draft where two Baylor Bears are projected to go either in the first round or early in the second round. Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown, both who are freshmen for Baylor this past season are are getting ready to take their talents to the NBA and, and play some professional basketball. But first, we want to dive into the NBA Finals with the Warriors winning their fourth championship in I, seven or eight years. What what do you think of the war this Warriors dynasty? Is it still a dynasty? And what do you think of Steph Curry, Andrew? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a dynasty. It meets all the criteria. Um, 2015, 2016, 2017, uh, 2018, 2019, they were all in the finals. And then uh, this, this past year, of course. So um, however many years that is, I believe that's uh, the math's foggy, but four, four titles and two defeats. So six, six appearances in eight years. Uh, definitely a dynasty, and the question that everybody's talking about is, is Steph Curry a top 10 NBA basketball player of all time? And my answer to that is absolutely yes. I think Steph Curry is undeniably the top 10 basketball player of all time. I think that he has he has surpassed Hakeem Olajuwon. He has surpassed Jerry West. I think he's right there with Larry Bird. I mean, Steph has four championships. He has two MVPs, one of which was unanimous. And he, he completely changed the game of basketball. I, I would have him at like eight or nine. What about you? Yeah, I, I think the last point that you hit on right there is that Steph Curry changed the game of basketball. And it's, it's not even arguable at this point of just how much of an effect he's had on the game the strategy, the game strategy in general um, of just hitting the long ball, his handles, the three, his influence on, you know, really the next generation of players. And there's only, he is top 10 in my book, uh, only mainly because he changed the game. And I would argue that by when it's all said and done, he could be even higher, right? That's uh, prognosticating a little bit. That's projecting out, like if he wins a couple more titles or even one more title, um, he could finish up even higher, but I wrote an article uh, recently for my, for my newsletter, the We Are Going to Win newsletter, uh, where I kind of dive, dove deep into this um, about just where <clears throat> Curry lands. And I, I argue, I would argue that there's only seven people uh, that have changed the game, just changed the game of basketball, uh, starting with Dr. James Naismith, invented the game, Penny Sailors, 
played for Wyoming, invented the jump shot. Everybody in the four, in the late forties, basically everybody was, um, you know, doing set shots and, and things like that. He, he invented the, uh, invented the jump, the jump shot. shot. How about that? Yeah. He he's, he's credited for that. Wilt Chamberlain, he basically changed all the rules of the game, like rewrote the rule book, uh, just basic rules of what we take for granted. Like you can't inbound, you know, over the basketball hoop, like free throw shooters can't leave before the ball hits the rim. Just like little rules that like have always been in place. It's because of him. Uh, M- MJ, Michael Jordan changed, uh, changed the perception and the marketing of the game of basketball. Shaq changed the big uh, big man game, the hack-a-shack uh, strategy and, you know, the structural integrity of the equipment, you know, just breaking backboards, bringing yeah. down the, the goals. Um, uh, LeBron changed the uh, the sphere of influence of the game, uh, both, you know, globally, politically, uh, and also for players' players' rights, um, if you think of, you know, free agency and, and things of that nature. And then Curry changed the uh, – the game, the strategy of the game, um, and and how it's with how it's played in three pointers. I mean, you barely see any uh, any back to the basket basketball uh, anymore. So for for those you know those reasons, I would actually put Curry you know above uh, you know Bird. Um, it, it, it's hard you know it, it's hard with, because he played with Durant as well. But um, I would definitely put maybe Curry at like six or seven. Uh, right now and um you know nick wright is someone that talks about you know he's a great basketball mind but for some reason he's keeping curry out of his all-time uh top 10 and and you know he'd pick a bone with anybody that says otherwise i adamantly disagree with that um you know i i think i think curry just with the number of titles he has the mvps the greatest season ever the 73 uh win team uh, and, and changing the game uh he's He's right there, and he had to work from the ground up. He, he played at Davidson. You know, he wasn't handed anything. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Steph Curry changed the game, and all those guys that you mentioned did as well. I mean, I I don't know if I agree about LeBron changing the game, but with or without LeBron, that's six or seven people that changed the game of basketball, and Steph Curry is one of them. That definitely plays a role um, in where players rank all time. I would have Steph probably above Larry Bird as well, just like you. And I think that I think that what some people like Nick Wright and the other people who don't have Steph Curry in their top 10 are – I mean, I think a big reason for that is because Steph only has one finals MVP, right? KD had two and, and Iguodala had one, and people who use finals MVPs are, to show how important players are to the championships that their teams win. Like Robert Horry has a bunch of championships, but he's not a top player of all time because he wasn't that important. But I I don't think that Steph only having one finals MVP is, I don't think it's a good representation of how valuable he is. I think he was always the most valuable player on his team. He's He was definitely more valuable than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant just happened to be more talented in all the space that it was created for him. He was able to, go ballistic in the finals but without Steph this team doesn't win any championships in my opinion it's it's agreed and it's interesting because um because the KD argument I I would agree with a lot of people out there saying like we're punishing KD 
for going to the Warriors and winning those titles, yet we're including those two titles as part of Steph's four, um, right? So that there is a little bit, it feels a little bit of double standard, but that's just in my mind because, um, because we're in the moment. Steph just won another title. KD lost, got swept in the first round. Um, by the same team. Uh, by, by the same team, exactly. Uh, but, but Curry's performance, and, and you mentioned the, the finals MVP, that was definitely what a lot of people said was the missing link. But game four, he had 43 points on seven of 14, you know, 50% shooting from three, 10 rebounds, did it on the road. Uh, and, and then game six, back on the road after an 0 for 9, you know, an 0 for performance from three, and he dropped uh 34 points i think um you know you and he averaged you know 34 points uh for the series maybe 33 or less but he was just you know that that one three in game six when they when the warriors went on their 21 nothing unanswered run between first and second quarters and he hits that three that's like just running off the baseline catches it shoots it and he's like fading to his left type thing um and it was just nothing but net uh, right there. I was like, that's, that was the champ. You know, that was the championship in my mind. Uh, you know, pretty iconic uh, moment. Yeah. 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 I, I, I would agree with you probably. So, and that 43 point performance in game four was when they were down two one. So won. when they had to win the game, he came out and, and just destroyed the Celtics made sure that his team was going to win. That was the biggest game of the series, in my opinion. After that game, I thought it was over. I thought the Warriors were going to win games five and six, which they did. Um, and he, he came out to play then and, and show the world that he, he probably is the best player in the NBA still. Um, yeah. and, he, and he might have five rings if Draymond Green hadn't gotten suspended back in 2016, right? They were up 3-1. Draymond Green had suspended the series. Goes downhill for them. Um, but who knows if he wins a couple more, he's probably going to be cemented as a top five player all time. We'll see. That's why I agree. You could probably, because he's changed the game so drastically, you could probably, depending on how things shake up, you could probably even make a goat argument for Curry. Um, I think it would be tough, but you could be there because he's changed the game. And that depends. We'll see what shakes out with Giannis and, you know, KD even LeBron are all, you know, yeah. um, Luca, all these guys are going to have something to say about, you know, potentially winning titles in the future. So let's, let's give it a minute for Luca, but he's very talented. He just has right. a lot. To yeah. It's going to be a tough path for sure. Um, so it just, in terms of winning titles, right. Um, yeah. So it's, it's no guarantee that Curry wins, you know, the next three years uh, to keep this dynasty going, but uh, it definitely cements him top, top 10 and, and if uh, things go his way, things break his way, then, you know, potentially could have a good art. It'll be, it'll be interesting, but you mentioned yeah. green and holding him up from having a, uh, another title, um, which might've even prevented the whole KD. If we go down to what if scenario, uh, Draymond green did not have a great finals performance and he was hosting a pod. He hosts a podcast uh, after every, every show. Like we're um, doing right now. Um, and so I was curious what you thought about that. Did you think that was a, uh, a negative, a positive? Obviously they won, but it seemed to be affecting him a lot. It didn't seem like he was entirely focused on, on, you know, the task at hand, so to speak. 
Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't say whether hosting the podcast was affecting his play on the court. I feel like he's he's just that kind of guy who has – I mean, he kind of has, like, ADHD. Like, he, he when he's zoned in, he's really good, and sometimes he's zoned out. I don't know. That might partially have to do with the podcast, or the podcast might just be a result of him wanting something more and, and wanting to do something fun as a hobby on the side that's outside of playing in the NBA. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a smart, it's a smart business move. It's a smart branding move, uh, for sure, but it's definitely, uh, different from say a Kobe Bryant, uh, that oh, for sure. Yeah. Won't even celebrate or like be happy about being up 2-0 in a, in a finals. Um, yeah. And, uh, LeBron James that shuts down all social media. Um, so, you know, I think it's kind of whatever, it definitely seemed like, you know, he was in, you know, he was in his head, Celtics fans were in his head, uh, but it got me thinking, you know, Pranay, like who, which Baylor player um, would, would you have loved? It doesn't have to be an actor, uh, active player, it could be a former, which Baylor player would you have loved to just hop on, a, uh, on, on the microphone after, after every game of the season and, and do a podcast? Uh, which one would you have loved to, to do that? That's one I gotta I gotta, I gotta think couple, think about for a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first. Do you have one on mind? Yeah, uh, and I think this this leads in nicely to uh, our next segment. But Jeremy Sohan, I think, would have been a fantastic uh, would have had a fantastic podcast after every game this past season. Just his personality, um, his hair. You know, he could have talked about his hairstyles for the whole episode. Uh, <laughs> I think he would have gotten thousands of listens um, type type thing. He's so cultured and, you know, such a diverse player. Uh, and, and obviously Baylor had an incredible run and it was very interesting how they did that run this past year. Um, so I think, I think that would have been a really cool podcast to, to listen to. And if I was thinking about kind of all the time, I think Kevin Reese having, um, a podcast would have would have been cool uh, for during the 2011 uh, season, um, the, the Heisman Trophy uh, season mm -hmm. for Robert uh, there. Uh, you know, I'm a, a cool podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna stray away from your question a little bit. I'm I'm not gonna go with a player. I'm gonna go with a coach. I would love to see Dave Aranda host a podcast. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the insight that man would provide? I feel like that would be that would be like like I listen to Joe Rogan sometimes and he has people come on and talk about just fascinating topics. I feel like Dave Aranda would be a guy who could just get on the mic and talk about anything and you would you would feel like you learned so much after listening to him for like half an hour. Yeah, that, that's your, that's your football uh, and life MBA right there, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Teaching the West. Uh, both on the chalkboard and, and just in the in the game of life, non non Baylor. Now that we're you know diving in a little bit, Mike Leach, you know as a Mike coach, Leach, that'd be entertaining, hands down for sure. That'd be entertaining for sure. Um, but we talked about we talked about the Warriors, NBA champions, Steph Curry, a couple more rings. Maybe he's one of the greatest players of all time. Well, he is already one of the greatest players of all time. Maybe he has a conversation to become the greatest player of all time. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have the guys who have not stepped on NBA court yet. 
And tonight, they have the NBA draft. And 60 players will be selected. 60 players will get to go on, on the stage and, and, and be picked by an NBA team. It's, it's like a dream come true for many of them. And two guys that will likely be selected tonight are Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown. Both were stars as freshmen at Baylor this past season. And on the next segment, we're going to be talking about where Sohan and Brown could go, where we think would be good fits, and, and uh, just how they'll perform in the NBA. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated podcast. And now we're going to dive into the NBA draft tonight, and specifically the two Baylor Bears who will likely go either first round or very early second round tonight. That's Jeremy Sohan and that's Kendall Brown, who are both freshmen this past season at Baylor. They were both, they were both very good and, and a big reason why Baylor got another one seed in the NCAA tournament and had another very successful season. So I want to ask you this, Andrew, which of these two guys, Jeremy Sohan or Kendall Brown, do you think will be better in the NBA? I'm going to go Jeremy Sohan, Renee. Uh, I think he'd be better instantly and, and uh, for the long haul, uh, for, for sure. And I think they have both the opportunity to, to be great. Um, but just from covering the, the Bears basketball season last, last year, uh, I really just fell in love with, with Sohan. Uh, how, about, how about you? I'm actually going to disagree with you on this one. I think it's, I think it's going to be Kendall Brown. And the reason I say that is not because I think he's going to be a better NBA player immediately. I don't. I think that Jeremy Sohan is the better bet for who's going to have a first, uh, a, a better rookie season, a better first couple of years in the NBA. Because I think Sohan's more NBA ready. I think he's more ready to contribute on a consistent basis, um, game in and game out, game in and game out as a professional basketball player, because he just has so many, so many skills. Um, but I think that he's, he's going to top out at being a very good sixth man, which is not at all a bad thing to be in the NBA. He'll make a lot of money. He's going to be very successful, help his team win a lot of games. But I think that Kendall Brown has the potential to be an all-star caliber player. I think that he's just – the tools that he has – He's so gifted. He is one of the most athletic players in the draft. And he will be, honestly, one of the most athletically gifted players in the NBA, which is saying a lot because these are the most athletic these are the most athletic people in, in the country. But his wingspan, his his quickness, his lateral quickness specifically, um, his vertical, it's just it's all there. He's got He's so explosive. I think that's the best way to describe him. He's just so explosive. He's able to leap down the court. He's able to throw the ball down on dunks. Um, I think that he's going to make an immediate impact on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that's what's going to earn him a lot of playing time in his early years in the NBA because, as we saw at Baylor last season, he's still very raw on the offensive side. He needs to focus more. He needs to develop his skills. He needs to become a better shooter. And he honestly, I think a lot of it just comes down to that that focus and that mental 
the mental wherewithal to to be in 100% every play of the game, which sometimes wasn't the case last season. Um, and he was still a really good contributor. So if he can turn that into a 100% focus, which I think that he will be able to do, I think he'll be able to do because I think that a big reason that he wasn't fully focused at Baylor is because he was, he always had one eye on the NBA. Even before the season, he was saying that the biggest thing he cared about was setting himself up for a great future and being able to support a family, which I cannot not, uh, we can't knock him for, but I think because of that, he was always looking at the NBA and now that he's there, I think that he's going to be great. And because of his athleticism and his tools, I think he's going to end up being an all NBA defensive player, potentially an all-star. In the NBA. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I agree with that. I wrote, um, you know, while covering, covering this past year, I wrote that pretty sure Kendall Brown was the most athletic player to, to grace the Baylor basketball court, uh, which is definitely saying a, a wow. lot. Uh, I mean, I definitely, you know, you can go back. I definitely wrote it, whether that, that's <laughs> definitely, you know, up for debate, uh, but we're not focusing on that right now. Uh, the point is he was extremely athletic. He was extremely fun to, to watch. I, I think there are just a few, um, there was one red flag that I saw uh, over the course of the season. Just, it just seemed like he was too reserved. Um, and uh, yeah, coaches, if you watch the ESPN plus our time documentary, Baylor the past year even when coach there was one episode where coaches were trying to you know to get him to emote a little and give him a little advice and he just it, it's not it's not him but just in the in that like five minute segment of that specific episode he just did not seem coachable um at all which was really like just just from watching and observing that one um that one moment uh, you know clip he just didn't look coachable um, mm-hmm. coachable, uh, right. Because basically our, one of our assistant coaches was telling him, Hey, like you're doing all these great things, like do this and you can become even better. Uh, you know, um, and he was like, I am doing that, you know, just kind of like stuck in his ways. Um, you know, stubborn a little bit, you know, young kid, he wasn't disrespectful or anything. It just, it just, uh, it didn't look, it, you know, to me, it, it wasn't a good, great look there. Um, the other thing I'll say of, you know, Kendall Brown, he only had, he had one, one game this past season where he had uh, 17 points um, mm. or, or more against like a true, true opponent. Um, and that was against Oregon where I believe he had all 17 of those points in the second half, uh, mm. seven of eight shooting. He had a stretch where he scored uh, eight, eight straight points in the second half and they're off like lobs and a steal fast break dunks. It was like, he had eight points in a row that were just all dunks basically. Um, I think six of his shots, uh, field goals were, were dunks. Uh, and that was just extremely impressive. Baylor definitely needed it to, to come back in that, in that game. Um, so he definitely has the abilities. Um, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, will it work out? And unfortunately we haven't seen a, a lot of Baylor basketball players historically work out in the NBA. If you think of Perry Jones, uh, Quincy Miller, th- those are the first two guys that come to mind. Um, Quincy AC, Corey Jefferson, you know, Quin- Quincy AC. Uh, Torian, Torian Prince was pretty good, but 
not as good as he was drafted to be. Sure. And I think Torian Prince is still making a pretty good, you know, um, living and, and career in the NBA, if I'm not For mistaken. Sure. Yeah. And now you have guys like Royce, Royce O'Neal um, uh, and, and Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler. And um, those are really the three main ones that pop off the head. But, but if you look at those and their makeup, it's – Ish Wainwright, don't forget him. I, I was playoff gonna, minutes for the Suns. I was going to mention him. I know he's on the Suns. Um, and he actually got in the playoff game like the last 10 seconds. Um, he had a couple of threes too in not garbage time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's worked wonders to to come come back. Uh, and all those guys, I would say, hard work. You know, they, they have a certain model. You know, it, it's a, mm-hmm. it's the Scott Drew mold uh, of of those players. It's hardworking, uh, charismatic, great leader. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I think Jeremy Sohan just fits all those player traits that Scott Drew uh, takes to mold an NBA basketball player in his little factory that he has going on in Waco. Um, so Sohan, only 19 years old, but he was fully grown, six foot nine, 230 pound uh, freshman who was Oklahoma born, British raised, and Polish professionalized. Uh, he won the gold medal medal in uh, in um, the Polish, the U16 um, tournament, and he was named MVP of that tournament. And I I think he had like 18 points and a pretty decisive block at the end. Um, Spoke with a couple, uh, spoke with Lafonso Ellis from ESPN College Game Day when he was there, and he was just raving about Sohan, just calling him so incredibly skilled and special. Uh, Really thought that he was going to do well, uh, both at Baylor and, and beyond. And, and he just has all the, the traits. He has a grittiness about him. Uh, you know, he, in, in all of Baylor's, you know, key games, Sohan had his fingerprints on every single one of them, even though he was coming off the bench. And that's why I think, like, he has room to grow, right, as a shooter. Uh, he can improve as a shooter. He can improve a little bit more um, maybe defensively as, as well. But I just loved his uh, tenacity, and he had his fingerprints all over every single game um, that he played in. Again, coming in all but one off off the bench, uh, 
and was a was a key contributor at the at the you know most pivotal pivotal moments um uh, he had uh you know in that kansas game at home right that turned the tide helped baylor repeat as big 12 champions right that doesn't happen if scott drew doesn't make the adjustment to have his five player sohan who you know a small five transition to point guard middle of the first half to kind of help Baylor pick themselves off the mat and kind of make things happen. He had 17 points in, uh, in that night, had huge blocks. He, he ran a perfect, you know, two-on-one fast break with Kendall Brown that he dunked on uh, at the end. And Kendall Brown had a really nice performance against Kansas as well. But I would argue it was Sohan that, that turned the tide there. Um, and, you know, when you have people telling you, like when you start to have doubters, uh, and, and people criticizing you for like dirty play, like Doug Gottlieb was, uh, for, um, Sohan and West Virginia fans were, and just everybody, um, was, was criticizing Sohan. Uh, I think that's when it's like, you, you found something, you, you have something. And, you know, I, I believe Sohan worked out for the Spurs yesterday. Um, and you know, um, how great of a fit would he be for the Spurs? And I, I just know he, he's got that grit. He He's just a team player. I feel like he's he's a Spur. Yeah, I, and I, I think I think San Antonio would totally embrace him. I think he would be like a Dennis Rodman when when uh, Rodman played for the Spurs. Uh, I think he's still in Texas, so he'd have plenty of Baylor fans that would, you know, love to support him down there. Um, but for sure. Like, scouts are just – putting him into the top 10, the most recent, uh, you know, mock draft rankings had him going to the Hornets at 13, um, which would be kind of cool. Michael Jordan, right. Uh, owns the Hornets. Uh, but I think, I think in terms of a culture fit and a personality fit, I, I think, I think San Antonio would, would be perfect. And, um, you know, Sohan just, he's been raised, born and raised basketball. I think it's clear. It's evident that he loves the game. He has the intangibles. He's dirty. He, he leaves his fingerprints over um, uh, over every single game whenever he's in, no matter if he's giving you 10 minutes or if he's giving you, um, you know, 32 minutes, right? And so that's, that's why, to me, um, it helps when you're a little bit more developed. And, again, he's only, he's only 19, uh, but I think, I think we've seen, unless you're just ultra, ultra talented, sometimes you don't necessarily stick in the NBA. Um, and it, it's good to have some of that experience, which of course he had, um, in, in Poland. So that's why I think he is a little, you know, is going to have, uh, you know, a more successful career. I, I just, I love Sohan. think he's great. Um, both, both, uh, Sohan and Brown were carbon copies, uh, of each other in a, in one sense, right. 19 year old, uh, freshman for Baylor, big, big Afro hairdos to, to start the season, both averaged about nine nine points a game, but in another in another sense, uh, each could not be more more different, right? Uh, Kendall Brown dominated with his athleticism, and Sohan did whatever whatever it takes. Sohan came off the bench as kind of a you know sixth seventh man type type deal. Kendall Brown was starting every single game, um, but but yeah, I think um, it'll be interesting to see if Kendall Brown. I think I think what most Baylor fans wanted to see this past year is that killer instinct from Brown uh, to just kind of take over a game 
um, which yeah. he really only did uh, against Oregon. He had very nice performances, um, but he never truly took over um, a game per se. Yeah, it was he was very tentative, and that's another one of the the big things that he's got to overcome if he if he's going to be a really good player in the NBA. He didn't have that killer instinct, like you said. There were plenty of times when he had an open shot or he needed to take the take the ball to the hoop and just do his thing and he hesitated and then it was gone and I think there were two reasons for that one was just that that wasn't the role that he was supposed to play this season he just ended up kind of falling into that role because of the injuries that occurred but it I feel like it's it's difficult to to switch roles like that that abruptly when you're going from someone who's just a guy like not just a guy but like just a a contributor on the court to someone who's who now has all these opportunities to be the number one guy. I mean, and the other one is is the one that I mentioned earlier that he I think he he probably had an eye on the NBA the entire time. He was he was looking to set himself up for the NBA. And now now he's going to the NBA. He's projected to be an early second round pick, 34 to 35, which is a lot later than he was being projected even just two months ago, I think he was consistently being projected as a, as a late first round pick, even, even somewhere in the late teens, early twenties. But now I think everywhere that I've seen, he's, he's projected to go in the 34, 35 range, which is still, still somewhere where he's going to be able to make some money. He's going to get an opportunity to play, but not teams are teams aren't as sold on him, I guess, as they were before. Maybe they don't, think the athleticism is enough to overcome those mental challenges that we saw we saw him experience at Baylor but you you kind of you put it well when you said that these guys are they're they're almost complete opposites away in my opinion I think that Sohan has the higher floor for sure but I think that Kendall Brown has the higher ceiling and if he can just get that focus and and build that mental game, which he'll have an opportunity to do in the NBA, especially because he's not gonna he's not gonna have to play a huge role early on. He can just focus on playing good defense, which he can do. He can play really good defense and that'll get him minutes on the court. And then he can develop that that mental game over time and turn into a really good NBA player. Um, but it could obviously go the other direction as well. He could he could falter mentally and then Sohan is, is clearly the guy with the higher floor because he has a lot of skills as well. But it's going to be interesting to see. I hope both of them go first round. I, we know Sohan will, and Sohan will probably go in the lottery. Kendall Brown, we don't know where he'll go. I, I think that he would hugely benefit from going to a team like the Spurs, the Thunder, the Celtics, who have good coaches, who have a system in place that developed players and that gives players time to develop and not, and doesn't expect them to, to be superstars right away. I, I think that's what he needs. Um, so I hope he goes to one of those teams. We'll see what happens. But any last thoughts on the NBA draft or Sohan or Brown? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of it's kind of, you know, right place, right time, little happenstance, right? And hopefully Brown gets the opportunity to, to grow and get a little bit better. But 
Um, it's a cut, you know, as, as you know, it's a cutthroat business of trying to win now and, and, and get better. And, um, just depending on the situations that they go to, uh, if, if Sohan can get bet, you know, it depends who can get better 1% better each day and who's at, you know, who's getting better on the court, uh, not just in practice, like who's actually getting minutes in the, in the game. So, uh, hopefully, exactly. obviously, both of them do well. Hopefully, they both get drafted first round. I'm curious why Brown uh, fell so um, so far to 34, 35 range, um, but that could definitely be a steal, right? Like, could definitely be mm-hmm. a dark horse. Like, how the heck did everybody uh, pass on this guy? Type thing. I was looking at it. Um, so, a little bit. What's interesting? Spurs. You mentioned Spurs a lot. I, I love their culture. Pop's still there. Um, great ownership. And, and they're, you know, they're in the middle of rebuilding, but they did make the playoffs this year playing tournament. They have picks number nine, 20 and 25. Mm-hmm. Um, so plenty of opportunity for them to scoop up the, you know, available there. Um, the last thing I'll say, I, you know, I hope Sohan goes to the Spurs because again, I think they'd be, you know, he would be embraced. Um, Brown uh, would, would be interesting. I, I hope he goes to like a, uh, you know, um, not someone that, not a franchise like the Magic or Thunder that are, you know, kind of in, in disarray. Um, well, Thunder, I think, would be good for him. Yeah, maybe Thunder's not in disarray, but Magic, for sure. I, I think Minnesota could be good for Kendall Brown, too. Like, get, you know, kind of get back home to where he's from. Um, yeah, play with Anthony Edwards and Cat. Yeah, exactly. And, and have a good, you know, good environment, good, you know, there's a good team foundation where nothing – would be required of him per se uh, you know again a lot of it's right like hey do you want to do you want to go play football in cleveland or do you want to play in and De- or detroit or do you want to go play in la type type thing you know basketball in cleveland or or la or football in detroit or la as we've seen some superstars do right um yeah. the one thing i will say which i thought was interesting uh who does who does kendall brown remind you of pranay well, who does he remind me of? Yeah. So I wrote this. I wrote this article a couple months ago about. It's called how Kendall Brown's game translates to the NBA. If you just go to Google, type in Baylor twenty four seven sports Kendall Brown NBA translate whatever you'll find it. And I actually, I gave a comparison in that article. I said that he reminds me of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and I. I still agree with that. I think that his build, the skills that he has, the athleticism, the athleticism and traits that he has, they still remind me of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Obviously, that I'm not saying he's going to become a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George, but just like everything about him physically reminds me of those guys. What about you? Do you is there anyone that he reminds you of? Yeah, yeah. To me, it's it's Dr. J. Um, Interesting. Dr. J. Kind of just he, you know, he wasn't didn't have really that killer instinct on the court, kind of what we discussed, and he's kind of a little quieter and and reserved when you when you talk to him. Um, Same with Sohan as well. Like these guys are like basically identical. Their stat lines are identical, but dig a little deeper, peel the onion back a little bit, and and definitely uh, a little polar opposite there, but. He has, you know, Brown just was so smooth with the spin moves that he did, reverse layups, the dunks, obviously high flying, 
the fro um it, it you know a lot of people um that i watch basketball games with you know um made that comparison you know people that actually you know watched uh dr j play as well and i saw the sixers sitting at at number 23 um you know now maybe maybe brown's fallen a little too much for, for them but i thought how cool would that be if uh, if you got to philadelphia and and kind of you know was you know could get the time like he said and and he was able to grow and develop and uh he kind of became a dr j a uh That'd be cool for sure. Alone, a Charles Barkley type type figure there. That I think that would be pretty cool. But yeah, Dr. J is who he uh, what his game reminds me of. Now that you say it, I I definitely see the Dr. J comparison, especially you know, so yeah, bro. Yeah, but well, good luck to them. They they definitely deserve it. We uh we hate to see them go right as as Baylor fans, but uh, yeah, I was hoping I was hoping um, Sohan would come back. I thought there was a chance he might, but good luck. Every good luck to both of them. I hope they I hope they succeed in the NBA. Every everybody loves him except I guess the guys at a uh, field of sixty eight. Um, there was there was one guy at the field of sixty eight that uh that was saying he did not think Sohan would would do well. Um, but mm. that's interesting. The same, that's the same Twitter account that that said twenty <laughs> one Gonzaga was better than twenty one uh, Baylor. Uh, okay, to be fair, that was based on Kencom ratings. And to be fair, they did a terrible job of posting that, and they never should have posted that in the first place. That's a good. That's a good point. But all that means is that Baylor is a top two team of the last twenty years. Right. Um, I had that argument with Kendall Cal all all throughout the twenty twenty one season of uh, then our deal really? now second to sixty five. But uh, Kendall yeah. would always go back to the Kentucky of twenty fifteen. Um, and and was that like, was who was at number one. They didn't. They didn't win the national title, um, but obviously they were number one in, in Ken Palm. Uh, it's to hard to win, man. I mean, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned Steph Curry's going 73 and nine. They didn't win that year, but it still counts. Absolutely. So, man, well, good luck. Yeah, hopefully they have much, much success and, and great fortune. I, I hope they get it. Hope, they hope get so. It. Yeah. But thank, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, be sure to tune in to the NBA draft tonight and let us know your thoughts on, on how you think Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown will do in the NBA. told you imaginary friends are real this is just so exciting this friday get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined showtime ryan reynolds john krasinski kaylee fleming fiona shaw phoebe waller bridge lewis gossett jr matt damon emily blunt george clooney maya rudolph bradley cooper sebastian maniscalco john stewart sam rockwell aquafina keegan michael key and steve carell i need to throw up or i need a snack it's one of the two gross if ready pg parental guidance suggested written and directed by john krasinski